This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's April 1st, 2016, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to a special edition episode of Defender Radio. Today, the infamous trophy hunt of grizzly bears in British Columbia begins. And it's no April Fool's prank. Hunters from around the world will pay for their chance to hunt down one of the province's most important predators, all for the sake of getting a trophy. This issue has been covered extensively in past Defender Radio episodes, on our blog, and through traditional media. But today, I was joined by two people who see firsthand the importance, beauty, and wonder of grizzly bears in British Columbia. Eric and Trish Boyum own and operate Ocean Adventures aboard the Great Bear 2, an ecotourism business and wildlife viewing vessel. The two have had the opportunity to see beautiful grizzly cubs grow into adults, witness the important role they play in a sensitive ecosystem, and marvel at the incredible diversity of life along the coast of British Columbia. They are also among the first humans to see the travesty of a trophy hunt, and feel the emotional and economic impacts. Eric and Trish joined Defender Radio today to talk about the spring trophy hunts, their business, and why we must all speak for the grizzly bears of British Columbia. Why don't we start out by talking about the two of you a little bit. I I see that uh, uh, Eric was a professional firefighter for a number of years, and the two of you were together before the business started. So how did it all come together? Well, we met uh, years ago just in in Vancouver, um, and uh, we both realized that uh, we had a lot in common, and um, we got together about five or six years before we started uh, Ocean Adventures. I had a, I have a quite a background of doing stuff on the ocean, like I was commercial fishing and chartering since I got out of high school, uh, and then I be- eventually became a fireman. And um, when Trish met me, I was a firefighter, and I had uh, um, just. Uh, when we pretty much got together, I bought a commercial salmon troller, which we fished for about five years. Uh, and then um, the salmon fishing wasn't going that well. And, you know, we have, both have a great love for animals. And an opportunity came up to buy a charter boat. Um, so we bought that charter boat in 1997, and we've been uh, chartering every every season since, uh, exploring the BC coast and... Uh, in the earlier years, we did go to Alaska for a portion of each summer, but uh, our trips really focus around the natural beauty, uh, the amazing wildlife, uh, both land and sea, the sea mammals, the whales, the bears, the wolves, uh, the birds, the ducks, every, every everything that makes this place so unique. Well, something I'd find interesting is, uh, as animal lovers, did your perspective of these animals change as you started to see them from the ship? I mean, we would not normally see wolves and, and grizzly bears and, and uh, whales. So how did that maybe change the way you view animals in general? I think, well, I grew up, um, I, I actually grew up on a ranch in the interior of BC. 
and to very progressive parents. Like I know people now hear ranching and they have this terrible vision of it because it's not very nice these days. Um, but my parents were very progressive. My mother didn't allow me to have breakfast before the animals were fed. Um, my father um, believed in um, in non-lethal predator control. He he. I don't recall him ever killing um, wolves or bears or any of that sort of thing. So so right from birth, I have been taught definitely about um, how to care for animals and um, how to how to care about them and how to respect them um, and how to live with both wild. Well, obviously we always had domestic animals around, but, but to live with wild animals was ingrained in me in a, at a very early age that just because you were afraid of something didn't mean you got, got to kill it. How about you, Eric? Did you start to see the animals differently while you were chartering up and down the coast? Definitely. You know, I've been in the outdoors a lot since I was in my early teens, uh, hiking and mountaineering and, uh, so I, I have came, come across a lot of sort of terrestrial mammals, but, you know, just fleeting glimpses. And um, once you really take the time to show people some of these things and you spend a little more time around them, you begin to get a, a broader understanding that, uh, you know, these animals, um, you know, are amazing, knowledgeable, caring, you know, when you see them with their young uh, how they will, you know, do anything that's required to protect their young. Um, and we also have the for great fortune of uh, some of the animals that we see, we actually uh, get to see, you know, year, you know, from one year to the next. You know, one year we might uh, see a mom with new cubs and then we watch the cubs for the next three years with the mom being raised until the day they're weaned. And... Um, and then we see that uh, same mom with another set of cubs, uh, you know, um, a couple of years later. So we get to know individual animals and then you really start to, uh, you really start to have a greater appreciation for them. All right. And today is April 1st as we're speaking. Um, and that is the official start of the trophy hunt in British Columbia. As animal lovers, first, at the personal level, what does it do to you when you see, uh, or how do you react when you see the announcements that the hunt is starting and that despite the, the overwhelming opposition, it's going forward? How do you personally respond to that? Well, first of all, you know, um, I mean, other than, than what we do, obviously, I'm a photographer as well. And, you know, when I'm looking through the, the, the lens of my camera, it's a big lens. I'm, I'm looking into the eyes of these animals. So, you know how they say wind, uh, the eyes are the windows on the soul? So that's, I, I, I feel like such a connection with these animals when we're out there. Well, all the time, but especially when we're out there. And um, as I said in the email that you guys uh, got, um, you know, these, these, I've come to know these animals. You know, they're intelligent, good-natured, very perceptive gentle you know we've watched mum bears lay back in the grass and nurse their cubs in front of us i mean that's a very vulnerable and lovely moment to uh be able to share with them you know some of them are funny some of them have a great sense of humor and um you know they're really amongst the most endearing uh you know beings not just animals but beings that i've that i've been fortunate enough to come to know and so you know, the idea of killing anything uh, for a trophy or just for the fun of it, because that seems to be what these people do, 
um, you know, grizzly bears aren't typically eaten. They're, they're not typically used as food. That's, they're typically hunted for trophies and for the fun of it. So, you know, that, that to me is abhorrent and sickening. And, you know, I, I have a bit of a background in a long time ago now, but a bit of a background in social work. And so the whole psychology of it to me, to be honest, is very disturbing. You know, um, when I used to work with kids that did mean things to animals or tried to kill animals, they were rushed off to the psychiatrist pretty quickly. But for some reason, when people are adults and they do mean things to animals uh, or kill them for no reason, then, um, you know, it seems to be okay, according to our government. And I think if you take, uh, I think if you took a look at the amount of money those two groups spend, you'd probably see a rather large difference as well. Now, speaking of money, that's something I think does not come up a lot in the talks about uh, the spring trophy hunt is how it impacts ecotourism businesses like yours. Uh, in British Columbia, there's a lot of people operating non-consumptive tours. Um, so in the case of you, Trish and Eric, it would be a lot of photography, a lot of interactive touring. Um, how does the, the trophy hunt impact the, the economics of your business? Well, it's uh, increasingly becoming a bit of a problem. Um, you know, first and foremost for Trish and I um, is the uh, the end of that uh, the the horrible practice of of killing animals, any animals for sport. Um, I mean, if if it, if it meant us giving up our business to meet that end. You know, if that was the case, we would we would probably do that. But we feel that by bring, the more people we can bring, and we do have a, when we don't have big numbers of people, we just have small groups, so we don't impact the environment and the wildlife that we are viewing. Um, you know, for us to educate, we've we've got some people that have been with us many times, or even people that come with us the, for the first time, or some in some cases people that are going to be coming with us on their first trip. They're already becoming uh, ambassadors to, to help stop the trophy hunting. They, they know what's going on. They've heard about it. Um, and uh, they're, they're willing to take the time to write letters, to go to uh, demonstrations, to make their voices heard. Now, um, business-wise, you know, we have had some people that have told us, you know, we, we won't come back as long as the, the government continues to allow this practice of the trophy killing of our wildlife. Um, so we're losing some business there. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, you know, that's really sad for us because uh, it's uh, not on the monetary sense, but the fact that, you know, what we have here is so special in this world. And, uh, you know, for it, for people to be able to come from different parts of the world to, to witness in the wild, you know, grizzly bears or black bears or wolves or these different things that are our current government is bucking all you know, bucking all the desires of the general population um, to end it. They are still adamant about continuing it. And even worse than that, expanding it like in certain areas they're expanding like one area up in the peace river they they want to be able to expand the number of grizzlies 
tags that are issued threefold. Um, so our, you know, our, it's incongruent with the population of uh, with British Columbians who, you know, survey after survey shows uh, eighty-five to over ninety percent against the practice of trophy killing of, for example, grizzly bears. And if I could just sort of add to that. So, so recently there was a poll done and it said 91% of British Columbians were against the trophy hunting uh, of grizzly bears. And, uh, and for years and years, as long as I can remember, the Liberal government in BC has said that this is an urban versus rural issue. In other words, people that live in the country want to be able to do this and people in the city just don't understand them. So. When they did this survey, not only did they find out 91% overall of British Columbians didn't want the trophy hunt, hunt to continue, 93% of rural people said they didn't want it to. So it's just the government comes up with one excuse after another, but none of them are founded in reality, except trying to get votes from trophy hunters. Yeah, we see that uh, right across the country, and it is quite frustrating because it is very divisive, not just in terms of geography but in terms of debate and discourse is it immediately becomes us or them and the discussion more or less ends right there and you know even like it's not just a matter of the elected people that have um that some of which have this mentality you know like when when the whole wolf call thing was going on uh you know british Columbians are allowed to uh submit their comments of when um, it, when there's been going to be increases in hunting of anything. And, um, and uh, so, so after we had sent in our comments, we got a call from several so-called wildlife biologists that work for the government. And they were actually frightening people to talk to because <laughs> they really believe that killing and killing the wildlife is the biggest tool in their toolbox, you know? If you've got too many elk, you kill them. If you've got too many bears, you kill them. If you've got too many wolves, you kill them. It's not anything about letting nature find a balance. You know, it just isn't. It's all about killing. And so even if we change governments, my worry is still that those people working for government are still going to have have their say because they they're uh, what they say forms a lot of the policies of our government. And, you know, these guys are hunters, so it's, you know, not all hunters are, are trophy hunters, but, you know, these guys believe that trophy hunting is okay. And so we have the fox in charge of the hen house. It's, it's shouldn't be allowed. Shouldn't be allowed. Well, and I personally think that's why it's so important to get people out, get them educated and get them seeing who these animals really are, um, because it can change hearts and minds. Yeah, true. And, you know, a lot of the people that are pro trophy hunting, you know, they want, they want the general population to believe that, you know, that grizzly bears are, you know, evil monster, man-eating beasts that, you know, have to be killed. And so, and so the hunters are protecting us, if you will, or any number of those sort of excuses. And so, you know, our aim in all of this really is to educate people that that's not, that's not at all who grizzly bears are. And it's not at all who wolves are and all the other animals that they paint to be scary so they have an excuse for killing them. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. First, they tear a hole in your roof. 
then they get in, destroying your insulation, chewing your electrical wiring. Raccoons and squirrels are eating away at your biggest investment, your home. I am Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control. Don't wait any longer. Call Gates Wildlife Control. We'll humanely get them out and keep them out. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit us at GatesWildlifeControl.com or call 416-750-9453. Millions of animals are killed for their fur each year in Canada. You can help stop the cruelty. Join the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals today and be the voice for those who can't speak for themselves. Find out more at FurBearerDefenders.com. This is Defender Radio. We're back with more from Eric and Trish Boyum of Ocean Adventures. I was going through the website and looking at some of the different uh, tourism options and packages, and there's a lot of notes about the uh, the local indigenous populations, the importance of the ecosystems, and how that cultural system plays into the ecosystem and vice versa. Um, it, it seems very fascinating. What can people expect to learn or to walk away with knowledge-wise when they take part in one of these tours? Well, not only not only in Haida Gwaii, on all or at least most of our trips, if the trips are long enough, we do spend time, like that's, that is another component, or is learning about the Aboriginal cultures, uh, you know, on the coast, they're very unique. Um, so it, if we're traveling in the uh, traditional territories of the Kitasu Heihe's of Klemtu, then we like to go to their big house and have someone from the village tell us about their culture and tell us some stories and show us their little museum. And, and, you know, and that holds true for almost all the areas that we're in, that there is an Aboriginal uh, culture component. Now, in Haida Gwaii, of course, you know, it's a national park uh, reserve and Haida heritage site. And, um, you know, so, so culture does uh, play uh, more uh, there in Haida Gwaii because we're going and visiting, visiting old, uh, uh, old village sites in Guayanas, uh, you know, that used to be inhabited before the smallpox came. But now there are, in these old village sites, now there are what they call watchmen, so interpreters um, that take us around the village and teach us about that village and about their culture in general. And their connection to the different wild animals of the, the, yeah. whole, the whole province. Because probably as, probably as you know, you know, most clans have a name associated with an animal. You know, ravens, eagles, bears, wolves, and so on. We frequently hear people talk about that, uh, the idea that we only want to protect the cute animals or the fuzzy animals. Um, but I think with what we are learning about top-down predator control of uh, ecosystems, what the science is showing us, particularly in British Columbia, these bears that people love and want to protect play such a significant role ecologically. Uh, are, are people walking away from these tours? Are they ending their time with you and having that deeper understanding of just how important the bears are to the greater ecosystem uh, full of biodiversity? Yes, yeah, we do spend a lot of time talking about that and and, um, you know, they're taught about what they eat and, and how that affects the um, environment which they're in. 
you know, uh, um, sometimes bears when they're, you'll see uh, big holes, holes, I should say, in the, in the estuary and it's where they've been digging for roots, which is in a, in, in a form plowing, right? It's like plowing a field, it, you know, it, and then, oh, and then in the fall, uh, when they're um, fishing for salmon, they actually will often drag their salmon up into the, into the trees so that other bears, you know, they can have their privacy. Other bears won't be trying to take their salmon from them. But in doing that, in taking the salmon up into the trees, they're, you know, they, they're fertilizing the trees because they won't eat the whole salmon. Um, and then, you know, that the fish um, disintegrates and goes into the ground. And there's actually been, um, what do you call it, in the trees? Well, there's a certain isotope of nitrogen that's only found in the salmon that they find in the actual trees carbon of the trees in the great barrier so course. the connection is is uh, proven yeah well and trish the way you talk about our, our demand or our, our need to control populations and wildlife i think this is just such a perfect example there's no way we could replicate that impact or replicate that effect uh, on our own or naturally no no i mean we we can see how we've been controlling things and what a mess we're in so that sort of speaks speaks loudly about that. And I mean, you know, the, the bears, we're so fortunate that, you know, the bears where we go and take people, you know, they're not bears that, um, you know, go to garbage dumps or any of that sort of thing. You know, these are, these are real wild bears. And we're really careful when we're out with the grizzly bears, nobody's allowed to have food on them. They can take water. Uh, we just never, ever want these bears to associate um, humans with food. Absolutely. I, I was going to say too, like you asked about the, the sort of real, the prettiest wildlife or whatever, like we really, I, when I'm guiding people, um, Trish as well, you know, we see a marten or a mink or any small, you know, living being, you know, uh, the different bird life or whatever, it's, we, we never minimize it. And, no. and our guests will, can sometimes get as much enjoyment out of seeing a uh, a bear or seeing a, a mink that's uh, come out of the ocean with a, a crab to eat and the crab is trying to pinch the mink and the mink is doing somersaults you know it's an image you'll never forget you know we were watching this uh, <laughs> you know sort of battle of two creatures someone getting food but uh, you know it's actually put some humor in your life because you see the acrobatics of this mink and um, Mink probably you know, you just it. you just see the the connectiveness of of all living things. So, you know, more and more we're we're um, and we're also trying to sort of we have a trip that's very popular, you know, to see the spirit bears. But we're more and more we're trying to tell people that want to come on these trips that don't just think it's about the spirit bear. Don't just be focused on the spirit bear because you'll miss other things. And then because you may be on a trip that we don't see a spirit bear. Because they are very rare. Because they are extremely rare. And uh, so if you go home and you haven't seen the only thing you really think you're there to see, you know, you're going to be let down. But if you go to see the Great Bear Rainforest and you get to see a, a rare spirit bear, that's amazing. But if you've also seen the minks and the humpback whales and caught a you know, a glimpse of a wolf or, you know, watched uh, a merganser with her little um, ducklings uh, on her back as she swims uh, in the estuary. Like, 
these are all incredible experiences. So it is, we really try to push that it's so much more than just these, you know, these big, real, you know, creatures. And also it's, it's really multi-sensory as well. You know, like Eric is really good. He'll turn off, like after we obviously need an, a motor to get up the river because of currents, but then he'll, when we're coming back down the river, he'll turn it off and just use paddles to steer us. So you get to hear the songbirds or the eagles crying overhead or something splashing in the water. And when you, and when you're going up tidal channels in the morning, when the mists have just risen, you know, you can smell the earth. It's pretty intoxicating. Pretty intoxicating smell. Yeah. Now, we're certainly going to be asking people to uh, to check out your website and to uh, go out on tours with you if they're at all possible. Because just looking at the photos, reading the stories on your website, it, it seems quite remarkable and much nicer than the brick wall I'm staring at right now. Uh, but in terms of the, the trophy hunt, what do you want people to be doing? How can they be helping in the efforts to... To, to try and stop this hunt or to, to get their politicians on side? Well, I think, um, you know, everybody has different ways of communicating. Some prefer emails and some do Facebook, some tweet, some Instagram, whatever it is. But um, we really, really want them to be in touch with um, the premier of our province and also Minister Thompson, who is the Minister of Forest Lands and Natural Resources. I, I'd be happy to send you the... Um, that all that contact information but I think and and you know I probably spend an hour of each day on average sometimes more um, you know being in contact with people that make decisions about these sort of things and showing them why they need to end this horrific hunt so I think if other people you know I'm pretty committed maybe a little over the edge on it but I'm very committed to doing that so that's what I do but People, if they, if every, if everybody just emailed or tweeted, it doesn't have to be something long. It can just be said, you know, I don't want this to continue. I want this to end. Um, if they just tweeted or or Facebooked or, well, Facebook's a little hard because you can't get onto their pages. But if they could just communicate with these people, you know, once a week for a while or twice, however, however, however much they can do. You know, it doesn't take long, but just to so they know that they're being watched. <laughs> but also to try, like if you write a letter to the premier or the Ministry of Forest Lands, Natural Resource or our Minister of the Environment, you know, CC it to... To you. Well, to you, CC it to um, the newspapers. And we do get, we've had a lot of our clients get their letters published and... Getting a letter published in an editorial section of a, a paper will spread that education. And it also, um, you know, it, it makes sure these politicians don't just delete their yeah. this letter or whatever. You know, it's, you out, have, it's out there in the public realm. You, you may know. have heard that our premier likes to, look, to look, delete things. You may have heard that in the news. <laughs> to learn more about Ocean Adventure Tours, see some of Trisha's beautiful photos, or get in touch with the business, visit oceanadventures.bc.ca or follow the links on this week's podcast blog. More action items on the trophy hunt can be found at thefurbears.com. That's the show for this week. I want to thank Eric and Trish for sharing their valuable time and incredible experiences with us. And I also want to thank all of you for taking the time to hear them. Until next time, this is Michael Howie for Defender Radio reminding you 
to stay informed and stay strong.